1: Henry Ford once said, the ability to encourage others is one of life's finest assets. As a young man, the auto inventor and manufacturer learned the power of encouragement. At the beginning of his career, young Ford had endured criticism and ridicule. Most mechanical experts of that day were convinced that electrical carriages would be the popular cars of the future. One evening, Ford attended a banquet where the nation's largest power companies and most innovative leaders, including Thomas Edison, were present. While Ford was explaining his engine to the men around him at the table, one of the men announced, There's a young fellow who has made a gas car. Ford was invited to take a chair beside Edison to describe his prototype gasoline-powered carriage. When Ford had finished, Edison banged his fist on the table. Young man, he said, that's the thing. You have it. Keep it up. Years later, Ford recalled the thump of that fist upon the table was worth worlds to me. No man up to then had given me any encouragement. From that meeting in 1896 onward, Ford and Edison formed a lasting friendship.
2: Don't you love being around spiritually refreshing people? When Paul and I look back over our years together, there are so many people God has brought along who've been powerful and unwavering encouragers to us. Friends who've stimulated us to keep going when we thought we couldn't brothers and sisters in Christ who've been there for us through thick and thin. I think it's safe to say most of us are naturally drawn to people who are uplifters. We really want to hang on to them for good reason. So if we value the trait of an encourager in others, it seems worthwhile to pursue developing that characteristic within ourselves.
1: God's Word has plenty to say about being encouragers. Many of us know the ministry of refreshing others is essential, but how do we become the effective encourager Christ would want us to be? Nestled in the fabric of Second Timothy is the quiet yet shining example of a man who is little known to most Christians, Onesiphorus.
2: Onesiphorus, easy for you to say.
1: Honestly, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> We're looking at an epistle that was written a very long time ago And the language barrier certainly adds to the challenge of pronouncing biblical names correctly. Scholars may differ on how his name is pronounced, but no matter how you conclude on saying his name, few would refute he stands out as a dynamic encourager.
2: Yeah, in fact, the name Onesiphorus means benefit bringer or help bringer. Compared to some of the brighter lights mentioned by Paul, uh, Silas and Barnabas, for example... Onesiphorus is virtually an unsung hero. He's mentioned only briefly in two verses, but oh, how indispensable he was.
1: So let's stroll together through 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul was a prisoner in the Mamertime dungeon when he wrote this, the last of his epistles. It wasn't a prison like we understand them today. It contained only two deep underground cells, one on top of the other. Since the dungeon was located within a sewer system, conditions were dank and foreboding. Prisoners were let down through a hole in the ceiling. The room measured 6.5 feet high, 30 feet long, and 22 feet wide, with as many as 40 prisoners in there at a time. Prisoners sent to the Mamertime dungeon were those who had been condemned to die. They were lowered in through the hole, and while waiting trial or execution would often be forgotten, everyone there expected to die whether from starvation, hypothermia, or by beheading.
2: The Apostle Paul was himself a great encourager. Knowing his days were numbered, he came straight to the point in this little epistle, challenging his close protege, a young pastor named Timothy, to have courage and faithfulness in the face of hardship. And yet, In the midst of giving encouragement, he also acknowledged the longing he had for support and companionship. Imagine the loneliness in that deep, dark hole. In his letter, he even confessed to being cold, writing to ask for someone to bring his cloak. Many Christians
1: had opposed and deserted Paul in his hour of need. When things don't go according to plan... It's amazing how fast people begin to distance themselves. Perhaps some of these believers in Asia feared association with them could lead to their own imprisonment. Maybe others decided maintaining a relationship would involve too many hurdles or require too much effort. Whatever the reasons, Paul had been largely abandoned. Here in this section of 1 Timothy 1, Paul named three men. Two of them had turned their backs on him. After describing these two sad examples of unfaithfulness, Paul turned to a distinguished role model. Onesiphorus, a friend who had decided to stand by him. He wrote, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. The Apostle Paul says he was refreshed by Onesiphorus. The word refresh in Greek means to cool off or to relieve. This word is used to describe the cooling down of a hot beverage.
2: I think of my years in India, the days were often stifling. Much of my work was done in primitive remote villages, so there weren't too many modern amenities available for me. No air conditioner. I did, however, have a couple ceiling fans that would turn so very slowly as long as the power was on. But if I could sit still under them and just catch a slight breeze, even if it wasn't strong, that was always such a welcome relief.
1: Yes, that's the picture. Paul's in a stuffy prison in the heat of a life battle that most of us can't begin to fathom. And Onesiphorus often helped cool him down and restore joy to this servant of God. He was the cup of cold, refreshing water that Paul needed. Taking a further look at these two verses in 1 Timothy 1.17-18, there are some gems we can draw out. Rich treasures on how we, like Onesiphorus, can go about building a ministry of encouragement. One way to be a dynamic encourager is with our presence. Many of the apostles in the New Testament, including Paul, often expressed their desires to see the believers they loved face-to-face. Onesiphorus understood the importance of being present for his friend, And he made the effort to be there. He traveled to meet Paul in person.
2: How often is it that when calamity strikes a friend, we aren't sure what to do. And then crippled by fear of doing the wrong thing, we just keep our distance. Showing up may be the single most important gift of refreshing friendship. I think cards and texts really have a wonderful way of brightening people's days. But nothing replaces face-to-face fellowship, whether we invite a friend into the hallowed space of our home or arrange to meet them in a quiet coffee shop. That experience of getting together strengthens relationships in ways that really can't be done looking into a webcam.
1: That is so right. On a personal note, Tabitha and I have really benefited from our face-to-face times with those who have had significant roles in our lives and ministry. We recently returned from a trip to the East Coast, exhausted after traveling over 2,000 miles across country, and it wasn't a vacation, but also refreshed and inspired to keep on with what God has given us to do. We were able to visit with dear family in Christ eye to eye and learned that all of them had been faithfully upholding us in prayer. Our visit also gave us an opportunity, even briefly, to serve in ways that couldn't have been accomplished through distance. Let us not allow social media outlets to replace our commitment to worship and fellowship alongside our Christian family. God's perfect design is for the body of Christ to assemble with other believers in order to grow together. As we meet together, we gain the encouragement and support we need to be faithful to the Lord through the trials of life.
2: There are people all around us, even in the pews on Sunday mornings, wrestling with all kinds of heartaches and issues. Often they aren't wishing for profound words of wisdom. They just need your presence. It's a simple gift, but highly cherished.
1: Another way we can become a dynamic encourager is with a second-mile attitude. I could think of several words to describe the character of Onesiphorus loyal, sacrificial, persistent, but one aspect of this account that stands out to me is his second-mile attitude. When Onesiphorus made the decision to connect with Paul, it was a complicated venture. We read in verse 17 that he searched earnestly for Paul. During the first century, travel was not easy, and visiting prisoners of Rome came with high risks. Since Paul was not in a public prison, finding him was no small task. And yet, Despite the risks and inconveniences, Onesiphorus labored and toiled, leaving no stone unturned until he found the apostle. I can almost see the elation when they were finally united after his diligent search, this wonderful preacher of the cross falling into the arms of his friend, and Onesiphorus hugs him close. He strengthens him with his kind words and deeds.
2: Now that second mile service is heroic in my book. Have you ever noticed... Hard work and motivation seem to be rare these days. All too often, laziness keeps us from extending ourselves beyond what is necessary.
1: (laughs) That is so true. Here's an example. A man once told his doctor that he wasn't able to do all the things around the house that he used to. When the examination was complete, he asked, Doc, what do you think? Give it to me straight, plain English. The doctor said, well, in plain English, you're just lazy. All right, the man said. Now, can you give me the medical term for that so I can tell my wife? (laughs) (laughs) We're looking at a man here who was far from lazy. He was motivated by authentic self-sacrificing love to go that second mile to bring help to Paul. As believers, we shouldn't be lagging behind when it comes to serving Christ and his people. There should be no room for lukewarm ministry. A dynamic encourager will go above and beyond looking for ways to be a consistent source of hope, even at personal cost or inconvenience. One of the blessings we've had through our ministry, Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures, is hearing the testimonies of those whose lives are being dramatically changed, simply because of fellow believers going out of their way to demonstrate the love and grace of Jesus. A couple of years ago, we met a man who'd been battling a life-threatening cancer In order to keep the cancer in check, he had to stay on a very restricted diet. Due to the diet, his wife always needed to cook for him at home. Joining in on a fellowship meal at the church or taking a night to relax by eating out was nearly impossible. Someone from this man's church decided to research and learn his friend's diet, then cooked a dinner for the couple, giving them both an evening to rest. He later recalled that special night saying he could count on one hand the number of times a fellow Christian had taken this initiative. Without a doubt, friendship and encouragement that matter required that second mile attitude. Imagine what the Lord can do through us if we were to duplicate the second mile attitude of Onesiphorus, dedicating our energy to persistently, selflessly, and intentionally go out of our way to refresh others. What a challenging spirit to attain! But the eternal rewards will be well worth it.
2: We can also be dynamic encouragers with our support. Paul said of Onesiphorus in verse 16 that he was not ashamed of my chains. This one phrase brings to the forefront the need for Christians to be supportive of one another. Onesiphorus was not ashamed to identify with Paul and all the stigma and inconvenience that his imprisonment brought. We don't have to look far to find weary brothers and sisters in desperate need of encouragement. Do you know of someone who's recently received a devastating diagnosis? A family with special needs who, perhaps similar to Paul in prison, struggle with loneliness and abandonment? Are you the kind of friend and dynamic encourager they could call in a 2 a.m. crisis? Are you the kind of dynamic encourager who's willing to say, I will be there for you no matter what? While the easy thing would be to stay away, why not step forward with your support? Let them know you're upholding them in prayer. Go the extra mile. Offer to advocate for them.
1: Do you know of someone in need of financial support? A student away to college? A family laboring in ministry? A friend up against a wall of medical bills? Step up and support generously. The ministry of refreshing others is priceless. Be a dynamic encourager by word and deed. Dare to be an onciferous.
0: Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels hidden treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.